Welcome to the first edition of our regular In The Know podcast of 2024. A happy new year to all of our listeners and in particular to our guest today, uh, Richard Carter from Quilters. Good morning, Richard. Morning, Neil. Happy new year to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And the same, same to you. Richard, quite a lot to talk about for this uh, coming year because uh, we have major political events around the world. But of most particular interest to us, of course, is what happens here in the UK and what happens in the United States and potential impact that might have on the markets. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be a big year for politics. I think potentially that could dominate market sentiment you know, more so than um, what's going to be going on with, with the economy. But I think clearly, you know, the US election is going to be the one to watch. We don't really know who the candidate's going to be, but it's it really does seem to be a bit of a, a mess that we could end up with uh, Biden versus Trump yet again. And I think obviously going to, people are going to be watching that very closely, particularly with some of the geopolitical concerns around the world, you know, especially with Russia and, and China and all those things. I mean, it looks like the UK elections might not be until November. So I'm afraid that that's going to mean lots of listening to sort of fairly boring political talk shows and all the rest of it with Starmer and Sunak trying to avoid saying anything particularly interesting that gets them into trouble. But yeah, it's clearly clearly going to be a big year for um, politics this year. Although historically, I don't think, apart from really big events like Brexit and the like, political events such as elections don't have as big an impact on markets as perhaps we first would think. No, I think you're right. I think it's when you get the big shocks. I think something like, you know, the the sort of mini budget under Liz Truss, you know, when you had that sort of thing, when you had Brexit, it's those big shocks that markets don't expect that really can cause a bit of an issue or can cause a move perhaps in bond markets or, or sterling or whatever it is. I think when you look at the two main political parties here, there's there's not much between them in terms of economic policy. You know, yes, Labour might borrow a bit more money to invest in the green economy, and you know the Tories might borrow a bit, you know, borrow a bit less. But I don't really think there's a, a huge gap between them in terms of policy. So I don't think markets will be too worried. For example, if Labour were to win the election, markets tend to be looking forward-looking anyway, so they probably factor that into the into the pricing already. I should think. Just looking back very briefly, you know, we're recording this at the beginning of January. December saw what people call a bit of a Santa rally, but the last few days we seem to have had a bit of a hangover. Can we expect that rally to perhaps continue as uh, we get into the new year? I hope we can expect to continue. It depends a little bit on what, you know, the global economy does. And I mean, there's this sort of much hope for soft landing at the moment, isn't there? That, you know, inflation comes down, uh, you know, central banks have kind of done their job in getting that under control some other factors helping there as well. But there's also the hope that, you know, the economy won't slow too much. And and then the central banks later this year will be able to cut interest rates, which would be great. And I think that was what was driving a lot of the rally in in the last quarter of last year, certainly Mm -hmm. equities, certainly in bonds. And there is this bit bit of a hangover because markets have priced in some aggressive rate cuts. You know, they're now expecting around one and a half percent of interest rate cuts here in the UK and also in the US. And I think the data's got to justify that. It, it, that, that. Those 1.5% interest rate cuts aren't just going to happen just because the central bank suddenly decides it's done enough. I think you've really got to see the data weaken a little bit. You've got to see perhaps unemployment tick up a little bit and inflation come down. So I think there's just a little bit of a reassessment at the moment in markets early on in the year that uh, these rate cuts aren't about to happen. So we have to be a little bit patient. Yeah, because because we had the the Bank of England, of course, say that they don't expect to be cutting rates anytime soon. And I'm not sure the markets fully believe that from the Bank of England. 
We've also had the Fed indicating they might begin cutting their rates in the spring. So uh, this whole question about time of interest rates is quite an interesting one. I suppose it comes down to, do we avoid a recession? Because we've had some growth figures here in the UK in the last quarter, which or the last reporting quarter, which weren't perhaps as good as people were expecting. Yeah, we're bumping along the bottom of the UK, aren't we? I mean, there's, there's not a major recession or financial crisis on the cards, but I'm afraid, you know, the rate of growth is pretty anemic at best. And I think, you know, aside from Bank of England, there's, there's lots the government needs to do in terms of reforms to help that, but there's no sign, no great sign of, of anything at the moment. I, I, I mean, I think in terms of central banks, I wouldn't get too carried away what Bank of England says. I think markets are a little bit sceptical about some of their comments. It's, you know, you, it's interesting what you said about, you know, the Fed's a bit more open to it, a bit more open mm-hmm. to cutting rates, Bank of England a bit more uh, on the hawkish side. They're just careful. They don't want to make another mistake and, and, and cut rates too quickly and then have inflation pick up again. If the economy slows, if we go into recession, those rate cuts will be delivered. But the messaging perhaps is a little bit different in the UK versus the US. An article I was reading at the weekend was arguing that the latest interest rate rises here in the UK haven't yet really worked through the system. So it could mean that um, we've got a bit more tough times to come here before we start seeing interest rates start to come, come back, even though we are seeing mortgage rates, published mortgage rates coming coming off a little bit. Those, those fixed rate mortgages take a little bit of time to roll off. And it's good news that the mortgage rates have started to come down a little bit. But if you set your mortgage rate three or five years ago, and now that's rolling off and you've, and you've got to uh, take a new rate, it's still going to be a lot higher than where it was you know, originally, a lot higher yeah. than three or five years ago. So mm. you're not going to be any better off. However, fortunately, you're, you're not as badly off as you might have been uh, maybe sort of three months ago when those rates really did get to uh, eye-watering levels. Now, you're head of fixed interest at some um, or fixed interest research at, at, at Quilters, Richard. In the last couple of years, perhaps maybe not so much last year, but certainly the year before, it was a pretty torrid time in the bond markets, wasn't it? I mean, we are seeing some recovery. I mean, it has been a torrid time. I mean, you're right. Returns on gilts and, and things like that, index linked gilts, were, were pretty horrific, certainly before last year. And, you know, we obviously had this massive jump in interest rates from about zero to about five, you know, in the space of 18 months. And it was really difficult time for the market. I mean, we have seen some recovery, particularly last quarter. We had about an 8% return in gilt, actually, in, in the last quarter last year, because, you know, these interest rate rises have happened. It doesn't look like there's going to be any more. And now we're starting to think about potential cuts this year. So I think um, markets have turned the corner a little bit. And if inflation, you know, continues to come down, then then yields of sort of, you know, 4% or so on 10-year gilts is, is not bad. I mean, it's not mm. as good as it got to, you know, three months ago, but it's, you know, reasonably attractive, I think, for, for most investors. Yeah, I think the thing is, of course, that traditionally that people have held fixed interests to try to help reduce volatility to counter the, the equity premium, etc., and there's an awful lot of clients who will have, let's say, a cautious approach towards investment who will have quite a lot of exposure to bonds and probably are still being a little bit hurt at the impact that's had on the value of their portfolios. Yeah, they, absolutely. And uh, those sort of lower risk clients, I'm afraid, have been hit quite hard because they've not had so much of a benefit from the you know, rallying global stock markets and they've been a bit more affected by, by what's happened in bonds. I mean, I do. I, it does a little bit depends on where you've been investing. I mean, for example, yeah. last year, corporate bonds actually made a nearly 10% return. So it, it, it sort of slightly depends, you know, if you've been in long duration assets or shorter duration, but clearly it's not been a great experience for, for lower risk investors. And, and, and understandably, people have been questioning, you know, the role of bonds in portfolios. But I think given where yields are now, hopefully that, you know, the future looks a little bit brighter. 
Good. Turning back to back to the equities, because the, the, the big one winner over the last couple of years has been obviously the, the US and in particular the S&P 500 or NASDAQ or whatever, which, whatever, which has largely been driven by tech stocks. Last year, driven by a lot of interest in AI and the developments of AI and et cetera. Has that been overplayed a bit, do you think? It's been, I mean, obviously, the, yeah, the Magnificent Seven, as they're called, it, it has been a, a huge driver of market return. So I don't know whether I would say it's been over overplayed. Some people talking about another dot-com bubble, but we're, we're pretty positive on the sort of long-term outlook in terms of growth for some of these companies and, and, and can see the uh, tailwinds continuing for some time. So I think, it, you know, I think when you look globally for the best opportunities, I'm afraid I'd love to say that UK, the UK has a lot to offer, but uh, you know the sort of structure of the market suggests that if you're looking for long-term growth, you're you're kind of better off looking outside the UK at the moment, which is, I guess, a bit of a shame. But it's a reminder to be internationally diversified and, and take advantage of those, like you say, some of the tech names and, and, and other areas in the US. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because you, you talk there about the UK not being particularly attractive or not as attractive as other markets, because we have seen noises from companies who are currently listed on the UK market talking about delisting and then listing elsewhere in the world. Is that a concern, do you think? I mean, it is is a bit of a concern in in the sense of it's not a vote of confidence in the UK, really, is it? And they they might feel that they've got a better access to capital and to, to investors overseas. I mean, it doesn't mean that the UK market can't do reasonably well but it's probably going to take certain conditions for it to to rally potentially more than than overseas i mean it really is a bit of a an old economy index in some ways isn't it you know it's got a sort of banks and miners and oil companies and sort of consumer staples which do well in certain environments and obviously 2022 they did okay when the commodity prices rose but but generally yeah. you know if you're thinking about sort of you know soft landing you know reasonably solid growth uh, central banks cut rates you're probably you're probably going to do better off elsewhere i think it's i think with the uk you know obviously the weight in portfolios has come down quite yeah. substantially over the last few years and that's yeah. that's still a trend I mean, you're still getting a reasonable dividend yield, you know, sort of 4% or so. That's a, that's attractive to quite a lot of people. You, you're probably going to want some some investment in sterling, keep a little bit of home bias. So I don't think we should completely write it off. But I think the sort of days where the bulk of your portfolio is in UK equities with a few gilts, those are sort of long, long since gone. So the, the, the change seems to be that um, in the UK, of course, companies have very much talk about their maintaining their dividend income to, to shareholders, etc. Whereas in other countries, it seems to be much more focused on capital growth. Is that a fair reflection, do you think? That, that, that is a fair reflection, I think. And, and, and also, uh, you know, I think it partly just reflects, again, the makeup of the UK market. You know, where, where's the sort of long-term growth opportunities for oil companies or mining <laughs> mining companies mm, or mm. some of the, you know, it, I think if there was companies that had uh, massive long-term growth opportunities, the market would be happy for them not to pay out money and dividends. I just think the nature of the companies suggests that maybe that's the best policy for the company and that the investors, be it private clients or pension funds or insurance companies, are happy to take that dividend. So I think it's you know it's again it's a bit of a balance but if you're looking for a reasonable yield the uk looks okay if you're looking for long-term growth perhaps it's not the best the best place to be so it, it strikes me that that the outlook is a lot more promising in january 2024 than it was perhaps in january 2023 right completely agree and i think the big the big difference is inflation isn't it i think inflation's uh you know rishi sunak will tell us it's all his own work but inflation's come down pretty sharply and it's heading in the it's certainly heading in the right direction 
and we've not yet had a recession or anything particularly alarming in terms of economic growth. So I think it is, it is better. The question is whether those sort of rate cuts now baked into the market are, are justified. And what does the market do if we don't get them? You know, will it be disappointed and, and we see a drop uh, in valuations? You know, if the central banks can pull off a soft landing, then, you know, then it would be it would be fantastic news. Politics, geopolitics is always a factor. There's always uncertainty about what's going on with that. And, and I'm afraid, you know, there's no sign of the Ukraine conflict coming to an end. You've no. got problems in the Middle East, China, whatever. There's always some worry that's not going to go away. But I think certainly the inflation side has improved. Yeah, I agree with you. There are these geopolitical concerns. But if you look sort of historically at some of the big geopolitical events in the past, they've relatively had just a short term impact on the on the general trend, which is markets tend to go upwards over time. Absolutely, because long term economies tend to grow and companies make make profits, you know, or bonds pay you a bonds pay you an, an income or pay you a yield. So, you know, over time, you're going to do reasonably well and those sort of dips and drops in the markets are a good time to sort of reinvest or, or, or put more money into the markets if you possibly can. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Ukraine was certainly a, that was a big issue and that, that sort of ripples through markets in terms of the inflation effect. The one in the Middle East, you know, thing with his issue with Israel and Gaza and all the rest of it, that's sort of still there, but it doesn't seem to be spreading into a regional conflict. If if it does, mm-hmm. then that would be a bigger issue. But for now, these sort of things tend to tend to be quite short lived, as you say. So the message is, as always, really, that it's not a question of timing the markets; it's a question of the time in the markets, isn't it? I think so. And, and just thinking about long term investing and, and, and what your sort of personal investment goals are and how best to meet them. And I think normally, you know, investing for long term investing globally is, is, is normally for most people the best way to achieve your, your investment goals. Richard, thank you very much. I think that's been very, very helpful. I hope that our audience has enjoyed that conversation. Really appreciate your time, Richard. Thank you very much. And hopefully we can have you back again in the future. We'd love to come back. Thanks, Neil. Thank you very much for listening. And we hope to have you back as a listener at some future date.